It isn't as though the story of resurrection happened in the midst of an oh happy day moment for Israel. In fact, the so-called Pax Romana was a hot mess of oppression. Not enough money, high taxes, people living in squalid conditions, money being given away to Rome to make taxes happen so that there could be roads and swords and war. And some of the religious people had betrayed their people. Some of the religious leaders were taking money off the top and maintaining the peace by oppressing their people as well, demanding things of them that were untenable, like this is how you keep the law, and even if you don't have enough food, you must sacrifice this particular kind of animal so you can be fit for the kingdom. It wasn't as though the story of resurrection happened in a beautiful, sunshiny Wizard of Oz moment. No, that's not what happened at all. What happened is a rabbi in whom people had found hope, the one who they thought they were waiting for to redeem the kingdom of David, that one, was crucified like a common criminal, hung on a cross, hung on a cross like oh so many more, out on a road, deteriorating to deter insurrection. And then what happened? It was Friday, it was toward the end of the day, it was almost Sabbath. So that, that rabbi, that teacher, that raboni, that beloved one, was hurriedly buried in a borrowed cave, a stone rolled across the top to keep, to keep the carrion out, maybe even to keep the thieves out. On the, next, on the next day when the Sabbath was over, sometime in the evening, the women went to buy spices so they could anoint the body in the ways that they hadn't had a chance to do. And then when it was early in the morning of the first day of the week, they went to the tomb. The stone was already rolled away and Jesus's body was not there. Instead, they found an angel dressed in white telling them, you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth and he's been raised from the dead. He is not here. He is not here, the angel told them. In Mark's gospel, the scene ends, the, the, the scene ends like a West Side story ending. All of the people who are afraid, who are terrified, who are awestruck, leave the scene. They say nothing because they were afraid. That is until you get to verse nine in that same pericope and Mark goes on to say, that the women did speak. Mary Magdalene did speak. She did tell the story and, and the disciples didn't believe. Not only does this event happen in the middle of an oppressed people's lives, it is met with doubt. It is met with scoffing. It is met with awe, yes, but also unbelief. It takes decades. It takes centuries even for the resurrection to be a part of our Christian lore, a part of our Christian story that, that is believed enough to be preached about and talked about on days like today, in times like these. In times like these, like those times, in times like these, where we're surrounded by death, surrounded by sorrow, surrounded by suffering, where we feel a little queasy even imagining Easter bunnies and bonnets. We wonder, is it okay to rejoice in such a time as this? We wonder, because it feels a little bit more like Saturday than Sunday. We feel a little less confident and sure about the power of this story to give us hope. We're having a, a Saturday kind of Sunday, if we're honest with ourselves, forcing ourselves to put the jelly beans out for the kids, to hide the eggs, forcing ourselves to imagine, to imagine, to imagine 
that God is present even now in this place. I am having a Saturday kind of Sunday. I'm questioning our promise of democracy. I'm feeling, I'm feeling in between a promise and a lie. If I'm honest with you, I'm feeling in between hope and despair. I'm feeling in between tomorrow and, and, and yesterday. I'm feeling in between a past of, of oppression and racial discrimination that seems to keep showing its underbelly in these times. I'm living between life and death. The death of my friends' friends, the death of grandmothers and aunties and titis in my congregation. And quite frankly, the death of my own mom. Her birthday was yesterday, April 11, and her anniversary, her wedding anniversary was April 20, and she died on April 25. April is a tough month for me. I remember one year, my mom and dad came to New York to visit me for their anniversary. It was a big one. I think it was like 40, 45. And they wanted to go to the show. So I got some Lion King tickets, and quite frankly, they, they weren't great. They weren't amazing tickets. But when we got to the theater, there were those folks outside that had extra tickets. And I told mom and dad to go stand near the theater. And I, um, yeah, I bought some of those tickets. Amazing seats, like fourth row, center orchestra. Beautiful seats. Mom and dad were as mesmerized as any child, looking at the puppets and the pageantry and the music. I, I had seen the show a couple of times, had not yet memorized all the lyrics, but wow, watching it through their eyes was amazing. They were just taken away. When we, when we got back to, to my apartment, my dad said, you know, can we, can we find that soundtrack? Can we buy the CD? And I bought them a copy and I bought myself one. Every single time I'd go home to visit, dad would be playing Endless Night. He'd, he'd be playing the song over and over and over again. Um, over and over again, and crying and crying and crying. Dad, what are you crying about? He said, this song makes me believe. Believe in what? Believe that I'll actually see my dad again, he said. Wow. A song from a Broadway show brought home this power of life after death for my dad. I'll tell you, it brings the power home to me too. I think because it brings it to him. I think because we lost our mom and we have this song that reminds us that we, we might be united again. There's a kind of a, a joy that can rise up, a joy that can rise up, a, a memory that can be conjured, a beautiful space of reconnection that makes me believe that death doesn't have the last word. And even in death, we can have hope. For dad, it's the lyrics of the Lion King. For me, it's that, but it's also the words of my mother. The first sermon I heard her preach to me, taking communion as a seven-year-old child. This bread means God will always love you. This cup means God will never leave you. This bread means God will always love you. This cup means God will never leave you. You promised you'd be there whenever I needed you. Whenever I call your name, you're not anywhere. I'm trying to hold on, just waiting to hear your voice. One word, just a word will do to end this nightmare. These are the beautiful lyrics that make my dad think about seeing his dad, seeing his mother, seeing my mother again. 
And I'm, I'm not trying to convince you, if, if you're not convinced that the resurrection is real, I'm, I'm actually trying to invite you, I'm trying to invite you to see that there is life in the midst of death. There is life in the midst of death. There is proof, proof, proof of life. Proof of life when, when a nurse will sit by someone who's dying just so that they don't die alone. Proof of life when a man will walk by the elder people's uh, sick rooms and pray for them. Proof of life when first responders go to work at hospitals and do medical research and do medical care and then go home to their toddlers and they go to work again the next day and they go facing fear, but they go because they're called to make life. Proof of life when my friend Debbie Almentazer starts a campaign so we can buy masks for people who work in bodegas so the people in the neighborhoods can go to places and get food. That's proof of life. Proof of life when my two-year-old granddaughter invites me to watch Moana with her and she just puts her head on my shoulder while she's sucking her fingers and we're watching the movie together all cuddled up and her body is warm and her heart is beating and she's so very alive. Proof of life. This is a Saturday kind of Sunday for me. This is a Saturday kind of time. This is a time between the now and the not yet, a time when people are dying and they're hopeless and they don't have enough food on the table and they've lost their jobs, where decision makers are, are rolling the dice with our lives and, and we don't exactly know what tomorrow is going to bring. We just don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But these lyrics from my dad and me, from my mom and my dad and me to you, I know that the night must end and that the sun will rise and that the sun will rise. I know that the clouds must clear and that the sun will shine and that the sun will shine. I know that the night must end and that the sun will shine and that the sun will shine. And if you don't know it today, I'll hold that with you. And when I don't feel it tomorrow, you'll hold it with me. Happy Easter, people of God. Amen. <laughs>